0: The tech shortage problem is not going to solve itself. That's why it will take organizations like APAC ATI to emerge with solutions that will bring relief for shop owners. APAC ATI is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans, the recovery community, formerly incarcerated persons, and those who need a second chance and a shot at their dream career as a skilled automotive technician. They offer no-cost training and a hand-up for anyone willing to do the hard work it takes to learn to repair every vehicle the right way. APAC ATI. Educating and empowering skilled labor and making a difference. Learn more about the program or sponsor a new student at APACATI.org. That's A-P-A-C-A-T-I dot org.
1: Conversations that are inspiring and educational for leaders in the automotive industry. This is Near Me Radio. Now, here's your host, Ryan Burton.
0: Welcome to Near Me Radio, the ultimate podcast for automotive professionals. I'm your host, Ryan Burton. And today we have a special guest, Dave McClung from Autobahn Automotive in Seagirt, New Jersey. In this episode, we'll explore Dave's journey into auto repair and the rise of Autobahn Automotive. From musician to car enthusiast, Dave's passion ignited his career. We'll learn how he founded Autobahn Automotive, focusing on transparency, ethical practices, and direct customer communication. Dave's exceptional skills and dedication led to the growth of his business. We'll uncover the secrets behind their success, from humble beginnings to state-of-the-art facility. Additionally, we'll delve into Dave's musical talents and his future plans for Autobahn Automotive. Join us for an inspiring episode filled with automotive expertise and a glimpse into this remarkable company's future. Welcome to Near Me Radio, Dave McClung. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for being here on the show. Very excited to have you. And you are sitting right now in your office at Autobahn upstairs. In Seagirt, I was there like a month ago. I know exactly where you are.
1: You were, yeah. You were here when I was setting this up.
0: So, is it all set up now?
1: It's yeah, it's hundred percent.
0: Very, very nice. And you know, um, I want to start. Let's start off with your journey into auto repair. I think we want to start there. But I want to, I want to talk about your shop, um, and really, after visiting there, what inspired this episode? Because as soon as I was there, I said, "I've got to have you on the podcast." I think there's a lot. Uh, that you have to say and and teach that would be very helpful. So let's just talk about your background. Let's talk about Dave McClung, Autobahn, and how we got where we are today.
1: I guess uh, well, I started as a music as a musician, music career. Um, I had a scholarship to college. I was playing the upright double bass in uh, in the in the college band, and my car kept breaking down on the way to work, on the way to school. Sorry, and as I was. It just became a necessity to have to fix it on the side of the road every day to the point where eventually I went up transitioning my major to automotive, Um, especially after people started throwing money at me and said, hey, could you change my spark plugs? Could you change my belts? And I was like, I know how to do that. I can do that for you. And it it became kind of almost uh, out of necessity that this this kind of took place. Throwing
0: money at a musician uh, yeah. is good, right? Musicians, yeah, musicians don't have a don't lot of money. money. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you were, so this is interesting because music, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here today with you. Music is a passion, right? I mean, music, uh, and I don't just mean for you, anybody that's into music loves music. It's passionate. So how do you take a passion like music and move into auto repair? I mean, that's very interesting that you must have really loved fixing those cars.
1: I think I think I was just really good at it and it was easy for me. And that's why I kind of transitioned whereas music's always been really easy for me, but it never really paid the bills per se. It was it was fun, but it was it was always um, there was always something holding me back from that and I think it was more or less the fact that I didn't have money. So yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of it it seemed like you know the the mechanic job paid a little better. Um, the schooling was you know, much less expensive. And uh, it just seemed like a natural transition for me. So you
0: literally were driving down the road on multiple occasions and your car would break down and you actually would fix it on the side of the road. I mean, are you just, are these metaphors or did this actually happen?
1: Well, this happened at least once a week. I was driving an old 77 Nova. It was so bad. (laughs) It just... It, would just, it just kept the car rear would fail or something would, something would break on it, and I just limp it to, to school. And out, school was about an hour away from my home, and the scholarship didn't include room and boards, so I had to drive it. It was no big deal, but it uh, turned into a big deal.
0: <laughs> okay, so what kind of tools did you have in the back of this, this Nova? where you able to just fix it at you know, on command, or was it the same repair every time?
1: It was, it was more or less belts would fall off because I, I didn't know what I was doing with cars. So I just, out of necessity, there was no Google back then. So everything was out of necessity, just figured out. They had spring a coolant leak and wrap it up with some electrical tape just to get by. And, you know, it's just, it was the stupid things that happened to kids when they're 18, is really what it was, the typical breakdowns back then.
0: So you really changed your major in school? I
1: did. I changed, I switched colleges. I dropped a, um, I really, what happened was I really wasn't interested in the uh, in the music department there. Um, all through high school, our band director, he was very influential in my life, and he told all of us, you guys are the best. Don't settle for being second best. You guys are the best. And he would drool this in your head 24-7. Every time you saw him, he would tell you, you were the best. No one can, no one can be better than you. And so when I went to college... I, I was a freshman, and I challenged the first chair for the position. He said, well, that, the director said, well, that's a senior. You can't do that. I'm like, but I'm better than him. And he goes, it doesn't work like that here. I'm like, well, this really isn't the place for me then because I want to be able to be somewhere I could be challenged and challenge others. So it, it, it was, it, at that point, I just started to make a transition from uh, music to automotive.
0: <laughs> you know, hanging with Dave is pretty hardcore. Look, I'm better than you. You're going to have to get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm about to whip you at this so you're gonna have to get up and go wow that's awesome so
1: i also have to be challenged the same way though too if someone someone's as good as me or better than me i mean it makes me step up game. that's the way that's how my whole business was formed too yeah no absolutely
0: you know? i'm with you i'm just saying that that's uh, i was just making a little joke that's pretty uh pretty hardcore and so really quickly the music aspect of it um you know, and obviously you're into rock music, and you play a lot of rock now, and do some of that stuff. But this this wasn't rock either, right? Like this was a whole was this classical music, or what kind of music? Was,
1: it was classical music, yeah.
0: So is maybe that part of it that that wasn't the end game for you musically? That maybe that wasn't the best fit, which is what led you because being a you know classically trained musician going to college for this that's a big deal. Usually, if you get to that point, I mean you're 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 pretty committed. So do you think maybe part of the reason was you know, maybe the the life of a classical musician wasn't the best path for you or something? Or what do you think?
1: Uh, well, originally I wanted to play in the full harmonic as a career. But, I mean, that's that's still not like a full-time gig. So I was thinking more or less being a music teacher. Um, but, I don't know, it just, it just didn't pan out. But then
0: auto repair showed up because of this Nova, which we were fixing every day. So tell me, so... When in this process did you change schools? What was the new school you went to? Tell me how that played out because thats I can almost visualize this. I can see you on the side of the road. I can see these bass guitars. I can see you at school. I can see you dropping out, going to auto repair college. I mean, tell me about this.
1: I went up um, I went up uh, basically um, transitioning to a community college that was very well known for uh, for the automotive program. And you know, it went in there and just I took to it like I, I took—I don't uh, know what the best phrase to say—but I took to it really quickly, and uh, I don't mean, know, it kind of grew on me. Nice. Honestly, the first first automotive job I had, my uh, my boss said to me, he said he fired me, and he said, uh, "Listen, he goes, maybe you should find another career because you're never going to make it in this field." <laughs>
0: That's <what it> <laughs> yeah those dudes but, that do us a favor saying stupid stuff like that, right? thanks, pal. appreciate it what, made what, you try harder though of course it did well so hold on why why did that happen? I mean, if he did like what was it that you did apparently wrong
1: well it was, I was working at a uh, I was working at a Midas, and they were everyone was commission based, and I was new. I was really new to the field like i I knew to do oil changes and brakes and stuff like that, but the guys in the shop would actually tell me the wrong way to do repairs, so everything I would do would, would mess up. And they were teaching me that way. So they would get the commission. Eventually, my boss said, he goes, he goes. look, you're really not that good. He goes, we're going to let you go. And I was, like, I was like, I'm doing everything you guys ask, everything you guys say. And then I realized later on down the road that these guys were just messing with me. And uh, that's the reason why I lost my job.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of awful, too. They're also messing with someone's car and their safety. And,
1: uh, yeah. He's
0: yeah. Uh, kind of. Lousy guys, man. But hey, when we make the movie, that's kind of how it starts a little bit, right? With these jokers. They're the bad guys at the beginning of your movie, right? So so from there, where do we go? So we, we started Midas sounds like it was the first job, and there you were, you know, doing your thing. And um where we stopped too? Is that Firestone at the dealerships and that kind of thing? Or tell me where it went from there?
1: Um, I went back to another Midas just at a different town, just to I really, really liked Doing bending the exhaust and making just I liked fiddling in that sense. It was kind of dirty, but it, it was nice, you know. Um, get my hands dirty on it. And I got trained. I went up it was the uh, the one foreman in the in the shop. I went up to him and started helping him every day. And he was like, finally, came up to me. He goes, Why are you helping me? What are you doing? So I'd offer to put the wheels back on the car for him, uh, take the wheels off, rotate the tires, whatever I could do to help him. Offered to go get his lunch for him and it was funny because he was, he didn't figure out what was going on. But so he started teaching me. He took me under his wing and he started teaching me things for me to do things. A year later, I had his job. So I I grew real fast. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't understand what you did or how you did this. But he goes, you're better than me inside of a year. I've been doing this for 10 years. So. Nice. I just, uh, that was, then from there, it just kind of took off and I went to some dealerships and I I learned, basically everything, every job I took from there, I wanted to learn something. So. I took a job that would teach me something.
0: So how long did you work, you know, in the Midas's or the Firestones or dealerships before you opened Autobahn? Um,
1: five, six years. So not long. No, I was 26 when I uh, when I opened Autobahn.
0: Wow, what was the last job you had before you opened your
1: shop? Actually, it was funny because I was working at a Pep Boys as the master tech. And I really, I didn't want to work there. I but they kept propositioning and kept offering me jobs there. And I was like, I really don't want to work there. I want to work somewhere prestigious, somewhere more, um, you know, a little more glamorous than, than Pet Boys. And a friend of mine was a service manager. And he said, Listen, he goes, I promise you this will be the best job you've ever had in your life. If not the best job, it'll be the most fun you've ever had in your life working. And I'm like, All right, I got nothing to lose. Because I can always, my toolbox has wheels. So I can wheel it in, wheel it out if it doesn't pan out. So I went up staying there for a couple of years. It was probably the most fun job I've ever had in my life because just... It was basically the way Pep Boys... I don't know if I can say this or not, but the way Pep Boys structures their shops is they have one or two guys that know what they're doing in the shop, and the rest of the guys don't even know what a hammer is. And they're all working on cars. So the one or two good guys in the shop have to fix everyone else's mistakes. So that was my job, was to basically fix everyone else's whatever they broke. And I just... I had such a such a fun time working there because it was like, how did you break this? Like, understand? Like, how how could you break that? But I mean, I wasn't yelling. I was just like, I was just dumbfounded. And then they would pay me to fix it. Get the car at the door. Get the car at the door right. So, Pet Boys was
0: the last job. And uh, real job before you started a company. That's how I always say my my last like real job, you know, or something like when I had a job. Or I don't know. I always say things like that when I talk about uh, past lives. But anyway, so you did that, and very clearly listening to you right now, it's obvious as to why you got in business, and 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 obviously it was going to happen because you know the way you're wired and what you're like. You absolutely were going to start your own company everything you've said leading up to this, how you were in music, how determined you are, an artist, a perfectionist, all of those things. You started the company. Talk about your, your start. So how long have we had? Has it been Autobahn automotive the whole time? I mean, tell me about that start and the evolution of your shop. I mean, maybe leading up to today.
1: It has, um, it's always been Autobahn. Actually, the shop was open for 10, a little under 10 years before I bought it. Um, older gentleman, he was looking to retire, and I offered to come work for him and he didn't, he didn't want that. He really wanted me to buy the place from him. I didn't have the money. So I went up partnering up with uh, this actually is my landlord at the time. And I partnered up with him and said, you know, he, he knew my automotive skills and he was, he was like, you're the only person who's ever been able to fix my Jaguar. You know, he goes, I, I trust your skills. Let's do this. So I went up um, going in partners with him and another per- another partner. Um, within a month later, we realized the third partner was not the right fit for the for the business, and we bought him out. And then two years later, yeah, two years later, I went up buying my other partner out, and it was just mine at that point.
0: So you got it, was, it. So we bought Autobahn. How many years ago was that, or what year was that in? That was 2002. If my math is correct, that's 21 years ago, my friend. Yes. That's quite a time. That's 21 years. That's a long time. That's amazing. So, and I've been there to the shop.
1: Has it always been in the same location? No, we started out in the warehouse uh, about 12 miles away. It was, there was no visibility from the road and it was all just word of mouth. The whole business, that was before Google AdWords, I guess. And there, was, there really wasn't any, uh, any way to advertise
0: so we had that location. Is the location you're in now where you moved to? Have you been in this location ever since there? Or was there another one in the middle?
1: This is our third location. The first location was in a warehouse. And the second location was actually right on the main road, but it was behind a car dealership. So we had more exposure, but we didn't have a lot of exposure um, by drive-by traffic. But from what I learned there, just by making that move, which was literally, you could actually see the first building from the second building just out the back door. And I was like, okay, it made such a huge difference just to be seen on the road and have a sign on the main street that I realized that this was just a stepping stone to get to the next place, which is this place I'm in now. And I started planning that. We moved in there in 2014. The day I moved in, probably within like about a month of that, is when I started planning this, this location here. And it took me about four to five years to move here.
0: Okay. So how long were we in the first, the warehouse location for how many years?
1: We were in there for 12 years. 12 years.
0: Holy smokes. And then, yeah. so you've only been in the new one for like five years or something like that? What is it? Yeah. Is it five yeah we years moved years? in here
1: 2019, so it's this is year number four.
0: 2019. Hmm. Yeah. We must have started working together like right after that or something or because we've been working together for a while now. This is not yeah. new. So. I somehow thought you were in that location for a lot longer. And you've already done a little construction on this one too, because didn't you tell me when I was there there was like, oh no, that was the building or something. There used to be a wall, and how it kind of got moved out, and it used to be another two buildings or two locations. Or would
1: you explain? It was, it was an old building and a new building merged together. That we uh, we went up gutting the whole place on the inside and redoing it and getting it basically uh, the way it looks now. But when I first uh, when I first moved in here, my uh, my service advisor said. She said she. She looked at all this and said, "There is no way I'm working in this dump." <laughs> and I was like, "Trust me, I've got I've got a vision here. I've got a plan. Let me just see this through. Give me a few months." And I I got a contractor in here, coordinate everything, and it took about three three months to to redo the whole place, and it's it came out really good. It came nice. out beautiful.
0: No, it looks well, it looks beautiful. We're gonna talk about that. So. Uh, it, you know, for those that know Dave, like, I feel like when I, I hang with you, like you, you seem like a pretty serious guy. Like I joke around I, and you know, you're kind enough to chuckle or things like that. But Dave is almost like you imagine him to be like, like a, a ninja or something like a karate expert. When you talk to him, he's got this persona. He's just very, very serious. I, I don't, I might be wrong. Right. But anyways, he seems serious to me whenever I talk to him, but he's an artist. You know, he really is. He's a music artist. But I would almost call him an auto repair artist, and I'm gonna—we're gonna address that. But very quickly before I do, I want to say hello to your wife, Joey, who is one of my favorite people. Every time I see you, she's always there. She's just just a great lady, and you guys have been together for a long, long time, right?
1: Yeah, I would—I'd be out on parole right now if you know for the same amount of time. You know, but I'm not gonna go there. We'll just <laughs> we'll just making a joke.
0: But anyway. she's the best. She's really the best. Every time I see her, she's around, and uh, she's she's a great lady. She's been a big part of the success, right?
1: Yeah, we've been together over 20 years, and uh, it's been it's been a long road. Yeah, yeah, so
0: very cool. Well, um, I had to mention at some point. That's when I'm mentioning her, so there we go. All right, let's talk about the shop. So when I talk about Dave being an artist and being, you know, very focused, and, you know, you heard about his early, um, you know, Music school, and then moving into auto repair, and how he approaches things. Now, what really sparked having you on the show is when I was at that shop. I was like, "I've got to have you on the show to talk about this because it's really, it's really funny." I was in the shop, and it's beautiful. Dave's, you know, his shop area where you know where where you work is just pristine. It's just perfect. It's beautiful. The lobby, of course, very nice as well. But it's it's interesting because it was beautiful. And I was looking at it, but Dave was more concerned with, they didn't get to mop it that day or something. And there was like a few marks on the floor. Like, <laughs> so it was like I'm looking at this thing going, wow, this is beautiful. You know, this is really, and Dave is like, Ryan, there's a couple, see, we didn't get to quite do, what, what were you explaining to me? Because there's something on the floor and you were like, they didn't get to do that. The other, you know. Remember what you said to me?
1: Yeah, there was like, I think there was, uh, there's tire tracks on the, on the white, we have white epoxy floor and there was tire tracks on the floor and I was a little embarrassed
0: by it. So. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sitting there going, dude, you should see okay. some of the shops I go to. I mean, this is, it's beautiful, but it shows the work of an artist. And, um, you know, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about revenue or not, but your shop is doing phenomenally well. It's in It's in Seagirt, New Jersey which is not the largest city in in America if you're, you know, playing along at home here. So, and even when you go there, I mean, I was, I noticed some of the, you know, the strip malls and there's actually like, wasn't there like a, some old outlet mall or something up the road that had been abandoned? I mean, it looked like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? What was that up the road that I saw? What am I talking
1: about? Yeah, there's, a, there's some, uh, there's some areas. I mean, it's a really nice area and it's just a lot of, um, it's a, a lot of people drive European cars in areas. So, when I, uh, when I discovered this shop, I, I didn't, I was so confused why no one else thought of making a European only repair place in this area. I was like, everyone, it's like, this is perfect. Everyone has a German car. Why are we not, you know, why don't they have that? But I, I, I asked a lot of the clients and they originally took it to like local gas stations. They were all, they were kind of old school about it and they would go to the local gas stations and get the, get the servicing there. So, um, when we moved in here, we definitely, uh, definitely put a a dent in everyone else's, uh, you know, German car business per se.
0: Yeah. And again, it took your insight. I think the point I was trying to get to, it took your insight to realize this was a good area because at first glance, it maybe didn't look like it. You know I mean? When I was pulling in, I was like, hey, look, you know, you got the little corner store next door and all this stuff. And you open up a booming European repair shop right there. You noticed that. You noticed that everybody was driving those cars, right?
1: And you were talking about the strip mall right on the circle that has been closed for about 10 years. It used to be one of those high end, um, I guess, outlet stores. And I don't know why it just closed one day and hasn't reopened. So it's just all falling apart at this point.
0: But again, you know, like I said, but you're right close to the boardwalk there uh, down, you know, the beach and the ocean. What's that area called down from you?
1: Down down the boardwalk. The boardwalk.
0: Wait, what beach is that, or what area is that over there? Old Seagirt.
1: There's Manasquan and Point Pleasant. The three local ones. Very
0: pretty. I mean, it's beautiful. Obviously, a nice, a really, a really pretty part of the world. But uh, when you show up initially, I would have taken a keen eye. To pick this location and make it work. But inside that shop, and you know, of course, outside as well. I mean, it's just it's just beautiful. Uh, you've done a great job. You've got that beautiful office upstairs. Um, your waiting room, you know, extremely nice waiting room. Uh, how do the clients feel about it? You've got a sign actually right above the door when you walk in. What does it say? Something to the effect of, if you know, if you don't do it right the first time, when do you plan to do it again, or something like that? Is that what it says? Yes, yeah,
1: quote by uh, John Wooden. Um, if you don't have if you don't have time to do it right the first time. Um, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it's basically when we have time to do it again.
0: Yeah, so. and, and and I mean that's just that's just a great quote. Uh, what does staff think like new people when they see that sign for the first time and they look up? And it's check it's
1: it out. kind of it's it's a shell shock for new employees when they come in here, but if, if they grasp our culture and they uh, they fit in, they they stay forever. If they don't grasp our culture and don't really you know fall in, then they usually wind up leaving inside of a day or two because they realize that this is not the place for them.
0: And, and it is, you know, again, revenue wise, the shop does very well. And, uh, could it, could it do more? I mean, aren't you kind of really, you know, jammed up in there? Aren't you kind of maxed out a little bit or where are you at with
1: things? Not yet. I mean, we're, we, uh, we're doing about three and a half million in sales a year. Um, we're probably, capacity would be about four and a half million. So we're still, we're still about a million away from total capacity. And when that happens, I'm just going to put an extension on the building.
0: Better talk to your marketing guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we've had some success. We've grown together since we started where I, and I don't remember when we started. Was it 2020 or 19 or 20? It, it doesn't.
1: I thought we started uh, back when I was in the second building. Oh, did we? I have to double check my records. Well, I'm pretty yeah. sure we started in the second building.
0: So we've enjoyed enjoyed some growth together. But I'll tell my team we need another million. Okay, is that what is All that right. what you're telling me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get back at it, man. All right. Yeah. Okay, let's get to work. So, um, and and you know, uh, the the you've been to a lot of shops. You see a lot of shops like yours that are clean, like yours, and that attention to details. Is it just me that it kind of stands out, or is that very normal? Tell me your experience in other shops as it relates to how clean and organized you are.
1: Well, this is the first shop I've worked at that was this clean. Uh, But I feel if it's, everything's clean and organized, you can, you'll be working more efficiently. And that's kind of what we base it on. Plus the fact that we don't put the paper mats in customers' cars because our floors aren't dirty. We don't get the car. We don't get the cars dirty. So my technician's shoes are always clean because it's a clean environment. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a nice environment to work in. We have full air conditioning out there for the guys on the hot summer days. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I want to, I, I want to make a shop that where I would want to work.
0: Now I, I think anybody would want to have a shop that's clean and organized like that. Like, I think we all would want to, you know, have that for our repair shops and our, you know, our houses, our, our, you know, our offices our lives. Right. Um, why? What are the benefits to it? Like I know this is kind of uh, goofy thing to say, but why would? What are the benefits of doing it? And should someone aspire to that? Should everybody aspire to be clean and organized like that? Is there a, is there a real benefit to it? I mean, I think there is, but it looks great and it's amazing. But what what do you find the other values to that aside from not having to put mats in cars?
1: Um, it, it's it's better. We seem to get a better uh, better level employee, to be honest with you, because. I find the better ones tend to want to work somewhere where it's clean. I'm not saying that about everybody, but at the same time, it's just from my experience around here. Um, you know, if you drop a bolt on the floor, you can find it real quick because it's the only thing on the floor. Yeah. The benches are always clean and ready for use. Um, you don't have to worry about clearing stuff off to use them. You know, the equipment's always clean and wet down The lifts you if you, you're not going to get your hands crazy by moving stuff around the shop. Yeah, we, uh, we spend a lot of time in detail just to make sure that the, the shop is presentable. We also don't want our clients coming in the shop. We, we present repair items to them. We don't want them to get dirty because that would be embarrassing to me.
0: And the clients, are they fairly impressed with this? Like when they come in, obviously, we're talking about European vehicles. Clients that drive European cars as customers are typically a little more particular. So is this something that's a great value that you see feedback
1: from clients on? I find the ladies uh, are very impressed with the shop. They're uh, when they come in, they're 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 the first ones to comment about the white floor and how clean it is. Um, you know, the male clients that come in, you know, they say stuff too, but it's it's night and day difference when you have a uh, a female client come in and they they acknowledge the cleanliness of the shop.
0: I'm really happy to hear a bass player is getting compliments from the ladies. That's a good a good thing to yes. hear. It's for, not you know, often that
1: us bass players are able to. No. Get
0: and I am also a bass player. If people, uh, there's my, one of my fenders is behind so, me here. I don't know if you can see it in the shot, but anyway, I keep it in the office, but I don't play it much. Not like you, but, uh, well, that's the, dude. That's awesome. And i um, I mean, um, congrats on all the success. The shop really is beautiful. And I think there's, there's something for people to learn from this. I mean, again, Dave's artistry to this, his passion, how, how he approaches it all. I think that, um, you know, like I said, it just it stood out very quickly and immediately. Your personality and how you do it. What what advice might you give to another shop owner? I mean, obviously, you take advice all the time. I see books propped up behind you. Uh, you're you're a, an avid reader, a student, constant learner. You're a very humble person. Uh, but what what's what's something you've learned that um, you know you you shop owners like to help each other. You've got their attention right now. They're listening to you. What's something. A valuable lesson you may have learned along the way that may be helpful to them.
1: Actually, one of the one of the best lessons is never try and hurt your competition. Always try and help your competition. And first off, it's it's just the right thing to do. Um, but not just that. If you help your client, if you help your competition grow, that it's only going to make you step up and grow further. And then they're going to want to grow. And eventually, you're going to look back to where you were to where you are now and you're just going to be like so much further than where you were and it's because you push someone else to kind of hold you accountable without them knowing so but if you're sitting there trash talking your competition it's going to make you look terrible first off and then secondly it's you're not going to grow and they're not going to grow you're going to be too busy battling with each other to try and actually get out of the hole so we've we've always helped our competition grow we've loaned tools to them done whatever we could to help them and you know they're always wondering why we're getting so far ahead is because we're just keep focusing on that growth and just, you know, bringing everyone with us.
0: Interesting. Um, is there a specific story that you have? Is there something you've done for a competitor that might, um, better further articulate this? Have you done, I mean, cause that's, that's quite a recommendation.
1: I mean, the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head was we had a uh, we had one competitor and they were being so nasty to us and I couldn't figure out why they were being nasty to us and I wound up um, calling up the uh, calling up the shop and finding out who the service manager was because the service manager was I guess the the source of the issue and I said, listen, I want I want to have a conversation with you. Can I meet you at some? Well, I basically took him out to lunch. <laughs> okay. So, we, uh, <laughs> All right, go on. Help. I'm
0: listening. This is interesting. So you called him up. Let's meet. Was did he thinking yeah. he was meeting in an alley or something with a crowbar? Or what? Did he, did he show up? Uh, this, is, this is Jersey,
1: but it wasn't going to be like <laughs> yes, that. It's
0: in Jersey. <laughs> Hold on. Let's go meet. I mean, wow. I'm you got be, yeah. I'm really riveted now. Keep going.
1: But now I I went up taking them out to lunch and we wound up uh, just just talking for about an hour and kept it strictly, I guess, kind of personal, very little business. And we started doing this. We did this two, three times. Mm -hmm. And now we get along great. If there's any issues, you know, we don't look at each other as competition anymore. Um, You know, it's more or less, hey, if you want to to borrow this tool, if you want to, you know, help us out and you want us to help you out, anything we can do. And it's kind of it's great because now we're more friends than we are in business, in competitive business with each other.
0: Amazing. So help your competition. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna make a note. I'm gonna make a note of that myself. Help (laughs) your competition. Um, that's great, man. That's a great piece of advice. Um, let your competition make you stronger and better and 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 help them. I like that. Um all right, so let's talk about the current infrastructure of the shop because you're less in, a little less involved now than you used to be, right? Tell me about the makeup of things, your role, other roles. I think you have 13 people on staff now there. Is that the number?
1: Um, it varies between 10 and 13,
0: depending, yeah. Okay, so tell me the uh, the makeup of things, how uh, the structure, because obviously... Um, you know, you're, we're going to talk about music in a second. You're doing a little bit more music now. You've got some music projects you've brought. You've brought the bass back now. We are back with the bass, and I love hearing that, uh, which is awesome. I'm a music guy, too. I get it. But tell me the inf- the setup of the shop. What do we got going on there?
1: Well, it used to be just me and one other person working, and I would turn wrenches, answering the phone, and, you know, I'd have a helper. That's how we started out. And now <clears throat> I don't turn wrenches anymore. Although I kind of miss it, but same time I don't. <laughs> but now we have um, we have a store manager that pretty much handles my old job of overseeing everything. I just basically come in, check the numbers. Um, I work closely with a bookkeeper that's in house, and we have uh, the store manager that's in house, and we just I I meet with both of them every day just to make sure everything's going as it should. Um, you know, everything else is pretty much dialed in. We have technicians do their thing. We have a QC guy that make sure that repairs are done before it leaves the building. Um, We have two service advisors and we have a social media guy who works part time. Nice.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, great. Let's transition to our return to music. And I know anybody... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I don't know if we're going to sell any records on this podcast here today, and I don't even know if they use the word record anymore. I'm an old music guy. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about music for a second. Uh, Anybody that's buddies with Dave on Facebook sees him posting uh, music-related things, playing his Chapman stick, Uh, or now looking like the great Nikki Six. What, what's yeah. his real name? Like Frank something? What's Nikki Six's real name? I can't remember.
1: It's uh, Frank. I can't remember his last name. Frank Smith. Frank, or something.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Nikki Six. So, okay, let's talk music. So, the Chapman Stick, Motley Crue, whatever you want to talk about, but you found your way into a Motley Crue tribute band that probably is better than Motley Crue right now. But anyway, but uh, called Dr. Feel Good. Mm-hmm. And I got to think that uh, there's going to be lots of demand for that. I mean, Motley Crue is playing stadiums right now lots of nostalgia. People love them. Uh, tell me a little bit about all things music. Let's hear about it, my man.
1: Um well I'm playing in three different bands right now. Um, the Motley Crue tribute band is probably the most fun because it's it's Motley Crue. So I get to I wear a wig, I dress up Look like Nikki Six, and uh, we play Motley Crue, which you can't beat that.
0: <laughs> and it's usually what, one uh, note, right? Doesn't he just kind of play an open E all the time or something? <laughs> or is it, it's you know, an A. But, yeah, yeah. Admittedly, I mean, a classically trained musician, I'm, uh, Nikki Six would get the biggest kick out of you playing his bass parts because then he's like, you know, he, he varies between about three or four notes. And I'm joking. Anyway, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's,
1: it's Easy actually is funny thing is um I never really learned his style of playing before. I didn't really know he had a style until I started actually deep diving to concentrate on what does he do because I wanted to learn how to play that style so I could be more more accurate. So I found out that he does a lot more chromatics with the scales when he does his fills. And he, he's more of a uh, it's almost like a punk style. It's it's very uh very unique and different, and so I actually melted that into my own style. I found that in my other cover bands, when I do the little the fills in the sections where I just kind of fill in, I'm doing the Nikki Six fills on it as well. So it's kind of even. Um, we we're playing a Zeppelin song. We we're playing Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin, and I started doing like a Nikki Six bass line, almost very similar to all the name of by Motley Crew, and just it blended all together. It sounded phenomenal.
0: Okay, so Nikki Six is known. I mean, I think for the first couple albums, like he could hardly play the bass. I mean, admittedly, he'll tell you like early days, he was very interested in being famous and was like, oh, I've got to learn how to play that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, right? John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin is known maybe as the greatest bass player in rock history. So you're saying you took a Led Zeppelin song mm-hmm. and put a Nikki Six bass run in it. Boy, that's, if Nikki Six oh. ever caught wind of this, I think he would be pretty proud right now, right?
1: I think it was more the... uh I just wanted to mix it up a little bit and make it sound a little bit more, more like my style. So I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just, I went with the Nikki six, uh, feel on it. And everyone was complimented. They're like that. Whatever you did on the baseline was phenomenal. And I was like, I simplified it.
0: <laughs> nice. So we're doing the Motley crew thing. Uh, some mm-hmm. gigs coming together. You guys got an agent for that. What's going on?
1: Uh, we're working with management company now and we're booking, um, pretty large gig coming October, November, right? I think I don't know the dates exactly yet, but it's gonna be uh pretty big.
0: I saw like a I mean, I think it was like I'm making these names up now just because I saw a meme yesterday, but I think it was like an 80s band like a flock of seagulls with like a, a depeche mode tribute band opening or something like this. So I mean, is there that kind of thing going on where tribute bands yeah. are opening for like, I don't want to call them real bands, but you know what I mean, like the actual artist? Is that what we're talking about here?
1: We're doing um we're actually doing a a a a Venue where it's going to be four, I think, four or five tribute bands all playing. Um, there's gonna be a poison band, an ACDC AC band, Motorhead, and us, and one other band. And it's going to be, uh, it's a, going to be at a big venue. Nice. So,
0: nice. so you're in a yeah. few bands. I know you're in kind of like a small, fun rock band with a few buddies or something, too. You got like another sort of casual thing you do gigs yeah. with, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, talk about this Chapman stick. Okay, it's like it's unique it's not a bass it's different and um it emits some wonderful noises
1: yeah it's cool it's like a uh it's a 12 string um tapping instrument You play kind of like a piano per se but it's with strings so it's just but i've been reading ta- piano music to play it so that's uh i don't know it's not it's exciting but it's it's therapeutic and it's fun to play it's just something you like the sound of and like doing right i do I like it. I put out a couple of videos on YouTube being playing it it's 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 fun.
0: Cool, man. So what does the future hold for Dave? I mean we're a little less involved in the shop. We're kind of you know back involved in uh, the old passion of music but still you know effectively running a shop. Are there more shops in the horizon? Is it maybe you know moving out of the business? I mean, what are you thinking?
1: Um, right now I'm just kind of letting it letting it simmer per se. Um, I mean more shops. You know, that could be a possibility, um, you know, upright and selling it could be a possibility too. I mean, who knows? I mean, if someone came in with a big enough check, I'd be like, well, you know, I guess I'll retire early. But at the same time, I know that the end goal is I, I want to play my music. And uh, I like the fact I don't have to use that for income. Nice. So now it's just completely enjoyable.
0: Well, I think you're... The artistry, you know, the perfection of music, the art of music from your early days, you know, your your college days and your youth really bled into, you know, your work as a as a technician, mechanic, and uh, owning a shop. I mean, it really is a work of art. Oh, thank you. And, and I think, you know, you know this, you see it every day. So I would say that uh, anybody listening, there's definitely something to be learned from Dave there. He runs a great shop, uh, very modest guy, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of learnings there. Like I said, I was very struck by it when I went there. I was like, holy smokes. And My daughter, Sienna, wasn't too much of a handful when she was there with me, right? She was okay hanging up. So you've got like weight equipment there, and she was like hanging upside down on some machine when we found her, right?
1: Yeah, she was fine. She was fun. Nice.
0: Well, listen, send my regards to Joey. And, and by the way, we got it. I mean, she just went and picked up a new base cabinet for you, right? I mean... I mean, this is like, this is why this is a great wife. I'm sorry. This is Joey. You're hearing this. Seriously. Did she just go to Washington State to pick up like some, is it Joey? Who's the bass player? Brad something? Uh, Tom, Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton. That's i got a couple yeah. of the guys' names in here. Tom Hamilton, yeah. like one of his bass rigs she drove across the country to get for you or something like this? Yes. Dang. That is... Uh, you could be training in many facets of life. You could be like, a, <laughs> wow. But anyway, that's wonderful. She did it. How do the amps sound? Are they good?
1: They, uh, yes, very, very good. Are um, they in that
0: room with you right there?
1: No, no, no. They're in my studio at home. Okay. Because
0: I was going to turn they, the uh, camera. Let's see the these house. bad boys. What's that? They shake the whole house when I turn them off. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Are right, you going to go see Aerosmith on tour? Uh, yeah.
1: So right. That's on my list of things to do with this. Uh, I think they're coming around in September in our area. Nice.
0: That's if, uh, what's his name? Steven Tyler and Joe Perry make it that far together. Right. I understand they're, they they're, they've been fighting each other for like 50 years or something. You know, yes. <laughs> so Maybe they'll fight on stage that night. Anyway. Hey, Dave, thanks for being on the show, man. Um, any final thoughts, anything else, a book you might recommend, anything, anything else to pass on to our listeners here today? Um,
1: nothing I think of offhand. I
0: mean, yeah, you know, Those books behind you, any of those uh, favorites? Uh, Average Sucks, Profit First, Extreme Ownership, any connection? Uh,
1: Relentless is my favorite. Who's that? Sorry? Relentless, that's my favorite.
0: Relentless, okay. Well, there's a book recommendation. All right, Dave, uh, listen, thanks for being on the show today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will connect soon, my friend. Sound good? All right, sounds great. Thanks. Bye for now. All righty.